It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is episode number 329 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Great to have you with us. I'm Chris Russell. Make sure you follow the podcast. And for news, notes, information, columns, features, blogs, video cuts, everything sprinkled with a little analysis at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins on Twitter as well. You can follow the entire National Football League at Locked on NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram at Locked on NFL Net for full team coverage. Also, want to invite you to download this Locked on Redskins podcast wherever you download your favorite podcast, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, uh, of course, Megaphone, uh, Player FM, all sorts of just Google Play, whatever whatever you got to do, just get it, download it, share it, tell a friend. Uh, please help us out uh, as we continue to generate content. All right, we're going to start off this episode, episode number 329, with Bill Callahan, the interim head coach of the Washington Redskins meeting reporters on Monday afternoon at Redskins Park. Do you have an update on some of the injuries? Chris Thompson was one guy after the game we didn't really find anything about. Yeah, we're still evaluating his status, so we'll know a little bit more on Wednesday, John. Is, did he go to get an MRI or something? Or He did. Okay, was that mm-hmm. today? I believe so, yes. Mm-hmm. And Bill, to sort of stay on the injury front, you guys put Jordan Reed on IR mm-hmm. the other day. He hasn't played, obviously, this year. Why did the decision to put him on IR now? I think I think that we uh, gave him as much time as possible, you know, to overcome his injury, and at this juncture, uh, it's going to be a little bit more prolonged. So I think the, the decision to put him on IR was probably the smartest move we could make at this time for him. Obviously, in theory, he could come back based on the number of weeks by the end of the year. Do you anticipate him coming back this year, or for that matter, beyond that? I don't that? know. <clears throat> I really don't know. I'm unsure. Uh, I think as we move along in time, I think it'll, it'll define itself. Uh, and just to wrap up on the injuries, Cunningham looked like he had something fairly significant. Is there anything you can tell us at this point about him? Nothing about his status right now. He was hurt in the game, uh, sustained a knee injury, and uh, we'll know a little bit more later after uh, we get the medical report here at about 3.30, so we'll get a good handle on that. Uh, non-injury department. I'm curious what you saw from Case Keenum when you went back and watched the tape. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of opportunity uh, out there. We left some plays out on the field, but he made some big throws, you know, the two throws to Terry. And I think one of the biggest throws in the game was uh, the deep out cut when we were backed up on the minus one, you know, to get us out of the hole and, and obviously to create a little bit of momentum and field position. So uh, that was really impressive. Uh, he had a big throw to Terry, you know, that uh, we, didn't, we didn't clutch. But aside from that, uh, he was pretty solid. You know, I think he would want some plays back like we talked about yesterday. But overall, you know, he can get better. And I think he would be the first one to tell you that. So we're all looking to get better after yesterday. There's a lot of things on the tape uh, that 
that are indicative of where our performance can improve. So I shared that with the players today, and as did their position coaches and coordinators. So I'm uh, I'm optimistic that you know, you know we can go back with a focused mindset and kind of correct some of the things that we weren't good at and prepare for a really good football team coming in here this weekend. When you looked at the run game on film, just what kind of stood out? Were you pleased with the holes that the line was able to create, that sort of thing? Yeah, I was. I, I thought, uh, by and large, the offensive line played well. You know, they got a new coach. You know, he's a little bit better than I am. And uh, they had no penalties for the first time, so no question that was a huge improvement. Uh, but, you know, we ran the ball for over 140 yards, which was tremendous, you know, when you can go on the road and pound it and give up no sacks, no penalties. And uh, I think only one TFL in the run game out of uh, 30-some attempts. So I thought that was real po- – a lot of positives came out of that. And a lot of guys played well. So it was good for all of them, especially, you know, Eric Flowers going back down to Miami and playing in front of his family. And, you know, he was pretty proud of his performance, as we all were. And then uh, Bill – uh, Quentin Dunbar had his third interception in uh, two games yesterday. Mm-hmm. What have you seen from him, and, and what has allowed him to have this kind of success early on this season? Yeah, he was tremendous in, in so many areas. Uh, you know, his coming to the team, a guy that could come up and make two plays behind the line of scrimmage for loss. You know, uh, he was relentless versus their screens. You know, he, he came up, he supported, he filled the alley. Uh, really impressive. And the play he made on the slant, on the pick, uh, you know, it was really great anticipation, awareness, instinct, intuitiveness. You know, he showed all those traits. Uh, but by and large, you know, he made plays not not only in the back end and against the pass game, uh, but in the running game, you know, in the screen game. You know, the things that he prevented, the big play opportunities that he shut down early before they got going. Uh, that was that was really impressive. Very impressive play by by Q yesterday. Bill, you kind of mentioned a little bit about the penalties and the run game. Did you feel that some of those detail-oriented things that you implemented in practice last week kind of actually showed up, like in the game, and and, and kind of played out like is what you were anticipating a little bit? Well, uh, you know, every game's so different, you know, and I just thought that uh, our players had a real focus, a good focus mindset going down into Miami. I think that they understood that it was important to stay penalty free in, in terms of what we wanted to do. Uh, and that is to run the ball and to utilize the run action, which we did effectively, and keep us out of those long distances. I think we were only third and long one time, third and double digits one time, which was uh, which is a huge, huge uh, improvement for us, you know, to stay out of those downs and distances because the penalties had backed us up so many times and put us in bad spots. Uh, so the goal going in was to manage the game in, in a different manner where we could stay more manageable. And I think we had somewhere in the area of uh, six to seven third down plays where we we're under five yards or less. So when you're when you're functioning, you know, within those parameters, it gives you a pretty good opportunity, you know, to convert because those conversion percentages are always high in the league. So that was a focus and that was our intention going into the game. So a little bit of a different mind shift uh, philosophically. Following up on that, what was the experience like with the officials last week? Were they calling a lot of things in practice that you were in, then able to fix? How, how much did that specific change you made in practice help and translate to the game? Uh, you know, we get the information on each crew, and we get information on how they're going to call the game, basically. So 
let's just say, for instance, you have a team or have a crew rather that comes in and uh, you know they're going to they're going to call DPI or they're going to call holding or they're going to be more aware of the line of scrimmage, whatever that is, whatever their wherever their fouls are high at, that's where we try to focus our attention as we go on the practice field. And so with the officials coming to practice, we try to give them that information so that they can maintain that focus and make our players more aware you know, of what it is or what we could be doing better, or if we're clean, we're clean. Uh, so you know, each crew is different. You know, so last week's game, line of scrimmage was important, you know, to do a good job of keeping clean formationally. I think they, they do a pretty good job of that. They, they, this previous crew did, and that's where their, their penalties were high. And, uh, and like I say, it's different each game. So I thought we addressed that. And um, we just try to focus on basically what they're what they're going to call. So, what injury? I don't know if that helps you or not, but that's what we. And for the players' mindset, it just gives them an awareness of you know what a, what a crew can potentially focus in on and major in, and what their calls where their calls are high and where they're low and so forth. One injury we forgot to ask about was the Shazer Everett. What just mm-hmm. what's the level of concern there? Some in a medical scooter. Well, he'll be out in a couple of weeks, but uh, we anticipate him being back here, you know, pretty pretty soon. IR but, or anything? Yeah, and and with that being said, you know, you know, Jeremy Reeves came in off, you know, we activated him, you know, he and uh, to the 53 on Saturday, and uh, man, what an amazing job he did. You know, he uh, he came in, he stepped in as the PP, the personal pump protector, uh, made all the calls, put everybody in the right spots, covered. Uh, not only on the punt, but also on the kickoff, uh, on the kickoff cover, and made a tackle inside the inside the twenty. That was really impressive. You know, you'll see him go down the field. You'll see him cut the blockers. You know, he'll he'll swerve, he'll slip, and then he makes a big time play. Uh, they were missing their top returner yesterday, but uh, the returners that were on the field were just as good or equally better uh, than what we have seen. So it was it was uh, impressive to see him step up and step into that role. You know, and he was ready mentally, you know, with the Shazer's injury. Boom, he, he came in and answered the bell and, and really lifted our team. So uh, not only there, but also on the defensive side. He played a few snaps on defense, you know, where you, where you can see his pursuit, his effort, and uh, and basically his close, you know, his, his closure on the running in the running game show up. So really good to see him have a good game. I, I was happy for him. We all were. Going back to the penalty question that Craig asked, you, I'm sure you've talked to your linemen in the past about what crews are looking for mm-hmm. in the week. How much difference did it make having these guys out here versus just talking mm-hmm. to them about it? I think it's uh, – I don't know if it makes a difference or not, John. It just, like I said to you guys last week, it just brings a heightened awareness, you know, to the situation. And having the open lines of communication with the officials at practice and having them – establish a dialogue with our players and our players with them. I, I think it's just a growing experience. I think we all learn, you know, and, and we grow from it and think the players get a little bit better understanding. So we're just a little more conscious of it. Now that's just one game, you know, who knows how everything's different, you know, so next week's crew may may call completely different and emphasize something different. We may play different. So I, I can't, uh, I can't predict what's going to happen, and I hope we don't have a number of fouls. I hope we can end up with no penalties and all that. But our numbers were considerably down compared to where they've been, especially going on the road. And then also with the run game, um, 
how were you, how did you feel you guys closed that out and you know when you haven't run the ball that much this year and you're playing in those the heat that you guys were did you see any sort of um, I guess fatigue issues at all late in the game for you guys? Uh, just the opposite uh, I felt I felt our players stamina in the fourth quarter was good uh, you know I'm, I'm sure you're I'm sure you saw the two sidelines during the course of the game. One was in the sun <laughs> the entire time, and one was in the shade. So uh, with that being said, uh, our players played extremely hard. Uh, I didn't see any tail off. I didn't see anything slip in terms of effort, pursuit, hustle. Uh, we had no loafs. I think that was evident in the way our defense chased down the, bu the bubble screen game and their screen game. There were a number of perimeter screens that they try to utilize, and I thought our defense ran to the ball extremely well, You know, not only from the support aspect, but from the pursuit aspect as well. It, it was uh, really well done. So uh, you know, Greg did a good job. The staff, defensive staff did a really good job in terms of not only rushing the passer, but pursuing to the ball to minimize, you know, the big play potential of the screen game. Um, yeah. With regards to Terry, obviously the speed is is evident. You mentioned his route running yesterday on that one play in particular. Yeah. Um, how much does his intellect, his football smarts, his his overall IQ factor into how well he's been able to come in and produce mm -hmm. right away? Yeah, I, I think when you when you look at his overall makeup as a person, his character, and then being a two-time captain at Ohio State, I think it speaks volumes, you know, for his mindset and and what he's about as a player. You know, he is focused. You know, he is he is high energy. He's he's tuned in, and nothing you know kind of gets by him. So uh, his performance it doesn't surprise us, but it's it's good to see a rookie with that type of production. I mean, it's it's rare that you can step into the National Football League and and had the type of production he's had so soon and so early in the season. So, uh, yeah, we're fortunate to have him, and, uh, you know, I just hope it continues for him. You know, he's having a heck of a year so far. Understanding you were quite happy with the overall performance, what did change for the defense in those last couple of drives when Fitzpatrick came in and they were able to move the ball and ultimately score? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, Fitzpatrick has forever <laughs> stepped into these situations these situations and has excelled extremely well. And, uh, you know, there was a point in time I was sitting there watching him where he was just making up plays. It looked like he was just coordinating plays. He, you'd see him walk over to the slot receivers and give them a combination. He'd walk over to the single receiver, give him his, his route. You know, so it seems like he was just telling them what to do based on the coverages that were out there. You know, he would kind of freeze the pitcher and he'd walk out and possibly change a route combination. But that was going on uh, quite a bit late if, as you watched the game. Uh, you could you can see those types of things occurring. Um, additionally, you know, he got rid of the ball quick. You know, he, he jumped into an empty backfield set. Uh, he, he managed well from that aspect. So it, you know, hats off to him, man. He's a heck of a player. So I thought he did a lot of great things, you know, avoiding the rush, getting the ball out, distributing it pretty fast, pretty quick, and making the chunk plays, you know, in the two minute, you know, that was that was pretty impressive. It was tough on us when you make those types of plays, you know, they're they're 
you know, they're, they're just killers, you know, when you're sitting in that situation and you're trying to make a stop and then all of a sudden he makes a conversion, you know, for 15 and comes back and scrambles and makes another conversion. You know, he's just smart, savvy, veteran guy that knows the ins and outs of the two-minute drill. You know, he's an experienced veteran player, and that's why he's, made his, that's why he's been successful throughout his career. Morgan mentioned last week that you guys had a um, period coming out of the goal line, um, mm -hmm. coming out of your own end zone, and then boom, right in the game, you have that scenario mm -hmm. in a really big spot. Does that kind of confirm some of the detail-oriented things that you're incorporating in practice? Just like, see, this is exactly what we're talking about. This is why we kind of prepare for these situations. Well, that and also so many of the things that we emphasized in practice last week, uh, you know, carries over. So our, you know, our theme here is, you know, that our our practice and our pre our practice preparation really just shows up in game day reality. So those clips that we take from practice carry over. Uh, for instance, Landon Collins had two sacks during the course of practice last week. That one was just a wow play I haven't seen in a long time. And then you see it transfer into the game, make another slips the back in a protection. You know, makes a makes the sack on Rosen. Uh, that's just practice carryover. Now, he's an awfully talented player. I mean, really, really, I mean, when you look at him, it, you know, he, he has all the traits that you want out of a premier safety. But doing it uh, is another thing, and he does it consistently. So watching him get one-on-one -on -one with a back, you know, and, and making a sack, and it just adds to that dimension of putting pressure on the quarterback, making him feel a little bit uncomfortable. So he did a pretty good job. Okay, guys. Thanks. And that's interim head coach Bill Callahan meeting with reporters right here on Locked on Redskins, episode number 329. I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you aboard with us. Guys, don't forget, the folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's GetRoman.com com slash locked on NFL back at a flash right here on episode number 329 of the locked on Redskins podcast thanks for being with us is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy either way join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And once again, I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you with us right here on LOR 329. Wanted to uh, get you guys this information. couple of things to announce when it comes to the Washington Redskins, the um, the team is going to honor Chris Samuels this Sunday, October the 20th, against the San Francisco 49ers at FedEx Field and Kyle Shanahan. Now, they have this whole alumni homecoming weekend thing, uh, and they're going to have another event this weekend with the NFL. Um 
but as you know, London Fletcher went in on the Monday night football game against the Chicago Bears. Samuels will become the 51st member of the Ring of Fame. He last played in 2009. I was at his last NFL game. I only covered him for less than a year, uh, so I didn't get to know him as well. But a 10-year career, a dominant left tackle, six Pro Bowls, 10 seasons. Uh, that's the sixth most in franchise history. And he had four consecutive Pro Bowls from 2005 through 2008, um, you know, with Joe Gibbs, obviously. Uh, and he just unfortunately got hurt and got banged up and the neck, and he just couldn't play anymore. Uh, the bottom line is, is Chris Samuels, everything I knew about him, and he's gone into some high school coaching uh, and some other coaching. I'm not sure exactly what he's doing right now, but uh, listen, from everything I understand, he did it right. He did it with class. He did it um, nobly, if you will. I feel bad that his career came to an end when it did. He made certainly plenty of money. Uh, he was great when he was there. Very good draft pick, ultimately, of the Washington Redskins. So congratulations uh, to Chris Samuels. All right, so in addition to putting Chris Samuels into the ring of fame, as we just discussed, the Washington Redskins also announcing that they are going to commemorate the NFL's 100th season with the Fantennial weekend celebration this weekend in and around the Washington, D.C. area. So here's what they're going to do according to a press release released by the team and their media relations department. So on Friday, this Friday, October the 18th, the Redskins Charitable Foundation is going to be in Prince George's County. That is, of course, the home of FedEx Field uh, and Santana Moss and Josh Morgan, uh, two ex-Redskin wide receivers, uh, are going to be at the homecoming high school football matchup between Oxon Hill and Northwestern. Uh, they're going to participate in the singing of the national anthem, pregame speeches, a coin toss, all that stuff. Be with each team and have some fun uh, there. There'll be some giveaways for the Redskins as well on that night. On Saturday, October the 19th at uh, National Harbor, which is just across the D.C. border into Maryland uh, or right on the border, uh, they're going to have a alumni fan day from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time. The event is free. It's open to the public. They'll have main stage entertainment, including the Redskins cheerleaders, as well as some marching bands and acts from around the DMV, according to the press release. Uh, fans will have the opportunity to enjoy the alumni fan day uh, with festivities on site alongside former Redskins greats. Now, it doesn't list who is actually going to be there, so uh, who knows exactly who is going uh, to show up. Then, on Sunday, of course, they'll have the annual Redskins homecoming game. And what they're going to do there is, among welcoming back all the alumni, they're going to have Hall of Famer Sonny Jurgensen, who I used to work with for uh, five years on Redskins Radio. Uh, he'll be recognized pregame for over 54 years of dedication, both as a player and a broadcaster, to the Redskins organization, uh, plus the Chris Samuels a ceremony which will be at halftime into the Ring of Fame. Also, one other big thing, uh, along with Papa John's, their uh, Redskins are doing something called an experience of a lifetime sweepstakes. Uh, you'll have a chance, fans will, to win a prize package that includes a 10-person suite for the fan appreciation game against the Detroit Lions on November the 24th. I believe that's Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, tunnel passes for the winner. And one guest will get a behind-the-scenes tour of FedEx Field on a non-game day for up to 20 guests, plus have a post-game photo op on the field, a $500 credit for the Redskins team store, and one year free pizza from Papa John's. 
So the Redskins are saying you go to redskins.com slash fantennial for more details, how you can register, how you can see up-to-date information, redskins.com fantennial. So a lot of events going on in addition to the homecoming game, which has not always gone well for the Redskins. Chris Samuel, Sonny Jergensen, uh, I'm sure many, many, many Redskins greats will be back. Who knows how long they're uh, going to be doing this if Bruce Allen steps aside or gets let go. Uh, do they continue this? I'm sure they will, but that's the deal for this Sunday and actually for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, one thing I wanted to get to here, and that is Zach Brown, former Redskins linebacker, has been cut by the Philadelphia Eagles uh, after what, six games? Because Zach Brown called out Kirk Cousins, his former Redskins teammate, in 2017, and the guy he was going against and the Philadelphia Eagles defense was going against on Sunday and got lit up like a Christmas tree. Kirk Cousins threw four touchdown passes uh, and over 300 yards and for a second week in a row played very, 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 very good um, and carved them up. Now, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know how involved Zach Brown was in this process. If they cut him largely because he caught, created a completely unnecessary controversy. Uh, he said that Kirk Cousins was the weak link of the Vikings offense. It wasn't as inflammatory when he explained it, but the money quote was just that, that he was essentially the weak link of the Vikings offense. And he's the weak link or was one of the weak link of the Redskins defense and apparently of the Eagles defense. Cause trust me, if he was any good, he would be staying around in Philadelphia. Zach Brown has wasted a lot of talent and a lot of athleticism. He's his ability to play the run is 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 pretty decent, pretty good. His ability to play in space and to play the pass is horrendous. Um, despite having great speed and athleticism and ability to tackle, he just never figured it out. Many, many, many people around the NFL know that Zach Brown's football IQ is less than stellar. That's the nicest way I could put it. Uh, I've heard much harsher. So if you think that's harsh, I've heard much harsher. Uh, and you could see it, uh, and I don't care what pro football focus, and I love those guys, graded him last year, Zach Brown could not be trusted by coaches, could not be trusted by football people to do the right football things. That's why Jay Gruden and his coaching staff wanted to move on from him after one year in 2017, and Bruce Allen somehow re-signed him to a three-year extension, or new deal, actually. Now, they got out of that after one year, but there's some dead money involved in it. Uh, it was a bad re-signing at the time. I never thought he was coming back. He can, again, tackle. He can run. He can't play the entire game, and he's got a motor mouth and no sensor button. So, good luck, Zach. Uh, that's what I would say. And good for Kirk Cousins. I'm Chris Russell. This is Locked on Redskins, episode number 329. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.